If you love the Adventure Sports Podcast, I'm confident that you're going to love Armchair Explorer. It's a new podcast by a recent guest, Aaron Miller, who is an award-winning London Times and National Geographic travel writer who basically sits down with some of the world's biggest explorers and adventurers and lets them tell their favorite story of all time. We're talking Olympic gold medalists who backcountry ski in Alaska to award-winning travel riders who walk across Antarctica in the footsteps of Shackleton, gorilla trekking with leading conservationists, great white shark diving with some of the best in the industry, as well as interviewing astronauts about spacewalking above Earth. It's honestly a condensed version of our show, taking the best of the best stories and letting those explorers tell them. If you're interested to hear more, I highly encourage you to check out armchair-explorer.com or just looking up Armchair Explorer anywhere you find podcasts. And let it inspire you to get out there and do something fun and do something epic. ASP listeners, you can get 50% off your first order of CS Instant Coffee by using the code ADVENTURE. Check them out. They've been a supporter of the show for a while, so it would really mean a lot if you went and supported them. Thank you. People are working from home for the first time maybe in their lives. They have time to do some little adventure after work. And these little mini or micro adventures are a wonderful thing that you can do now while practicing social distancing. You don't have to, you know, kiss people while you take a jog. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, where we hear stories of adventure from every corner of the planet. We interview all sorts of folks who are using their sport to explore the world around them and give you the inspiration you need to get out there and have some fun. The biggest downside of hosting this show, and I will admit there aren't very many, but the biggest downside is definitely the fact that you do a lot more talking about adventure than you do um, doing adventure. Really, that comes down to because the show is a lot of work to produce. I'm happy to do it, and I love providing this platform for people to share their adventures, but it does get a little taxing sometimes when you're like, you know, I'd love to go out this weekend, but I need to finish Monday's episode, or, you know, I've got three or four interviews this week all in the evening because I have a day job. So for the previous hosts, Travis and Kurt, it did get to a breaking point for them about three and a half to four years in where they they both were like, I'm, I'm ready to do these adventures now. I'm tired of talking about them all the time and just squeezing them in when I can. I want to have more time, more energy to do the adventures themselves. Travis went off with his family to live in an RV full time and Kurt, who we're interviewing today and catching up with after a year and a half of leaving the show, leaving the show uh, decided for he and his family, the best thing to do was to move really far into the mountains in Colorado. So he's been there for about almost two years now. So we're going to hear what that's been like, hear what's you know changing for him, because the mindset that this show helped create in him has also caused him to take another big step recently, which is uh, quitting his job and turning a whole new direction in his career. So we're going to hear all about that. And part of that is actually his uh, new show that I want you to check out called Weathering Coronavirus. Uh, updates and hope. You can find it anywhere you get podcasts. And it's just Kurt talking about his take on what's going on, uh, sharing some practical advice around working from home, around um, you know staying safe, around getting out there still um, through all this. And so it's just 
really good information, actually, and I've been listening to it really every day. But anyway, I hope you enjoy this take. Uh, just a word of warning, this show is dangerous for you because it causes you to do crazy things. So I can imagine after... I don't know, three or four years of me hosting this show. I'm about a year and a half in. Uh, I'm going to do something nuts. Just say, okay, I, I got to get out there. I got to break this mold. I got to I gotta do something. And obviously, you know, I'm kidding for a lot of that. I love doing this show. I love the support that y'all give us. And I love hearing from listeners. So if you don't mind, reach out to us. Info at Adventure Sports Podcast. Say hello. Say what you think about the show. Leave us a review on iTunes. We've got a couple good ones lately. And I, I really appreciate that. That's incredibly encouraging. And uh, yeah, this is a longer intro than normal. So let's get into the episode. All right, folks. Well, we've got a treat today. Um, if you've been a longtime listener of the show, you'll know that I am, you know, considered the new host, uh, even after about a year and a half now. But originally, uh, Travis and Kurt were hosting the show, and today we got Kurt on the phone, Kurt Linville, and uh, going to hear kind of what his last really year and a half has been like and what he's up to. Uh, but first of all, Kurt, welcome to the show, man. Hey, thanks, Mason. It's fun to be back on again. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we're recording this in the middle of, you know, a, a, a pandemic. So, and I know that for <laughs> you, um, you know, things are even more different because you are already isolated up in the mountains. But if you don't mind, would you would you take us back to kind of what led you up to the Gunnison area of Colorado in the first place and, and kind of what, what, what led to me really taking over the show? Sure, man. So, have to rewind a little bit. We've been in Gunnison for about two and a half years. And prior to that, we lived in the foothills of Colorado on the front range. And it's kind of funny because now people consider that we live in a mountain community. And then we were living in essentially a mountain suburb of the front range, but we actually had to move downhill to get to Gunnison because we were at 8,600 feet and now we're at 7,700 feet. But we were on a mountaintop before, and now we are in a valley. So nestled in the heart of the mountains in a protected valley is a completely different experience, I can tell you, and I much prefer it. But we spent 20 years in those foothills, and it was always a compromise for us because that meant long drives to everything we needed to do as a family. It meant long commutes for work. And while I really enjoyed the foothills of the Front Range, a beautiful, beautiful place, um, it was exhausting, and we did that for a long time. And uh, it, my wife and I always looked at it as a compromise situation because we needed the income, of course, you know, that was provided by the career in the front range, but we also wanted to live in a natural setting, and so that's kind of where we landed, but it was wearing us out. And so we started looking for alternatives. We still wanted to live in a natural setting, it's just our personal bent. I'm not criticizing anyone that lives in the city or the suburbs, but we really didn't want to do that. And so as part of our life goal, we were looking for a way to live in a natural setting and to be able to maintain an income. And so I want to give credit for our move to Gunnison to the Adventure Sports Podcast. It really is true. Oh, wow. Wow. Um, when we started interviewing all these amazing you know, adventure people from around the globe, then I started getting more and more insights from the guests on the show, 
how to live more of an adventure-based lifestyle, which often meant an alternative to kind of the traditional nine to five or eight to five career path that, you know, most of the world finds themselves in. So anyway, the more of these people that I interviewed, the more encouraged I was that maybe there's an outside of the box solution to living so far from work and so far from all the resources that we needed. And while we really enjoyed living in those foothills, it was just wearing us down. So One day, my wife was on Realtor.com, and she saw a house in Gunnison, and she thought, man, wouldn't it be fun to have a house like that in a small community? And she called me over and says, what do you think of Gunnison? And I kind of laughed, because Gunnison, Colorado is the place that everyone drives through on the way to somewhere else, and it gets overlooked. It's not because Gunnison isn't wonderful and delightful, it really is. Gunnison has the nickname of the base camp of the Rockies because it's right in the middle of the action, but instead of being nestled in a box canyon somewhere like Uray or maybe Aspen, it is down the valley just a piece, which puts it very central to some of the most amazing mountain terrain and and opportunities that are in the state of Colorado. But because everyone is going to those little box canyons or locations destination locations, they drive right through Gunnison to get there. And I had made the same mistake. So my wife and I decided that just for fun, we would um, take an anniversary trip to Gunnison and spend a long weekend in Gunnison looking around, and we immediately fell in love with it. What about it? Well, I never would have considered probably Gunnison as a destination for us had it not been for the change in my thinking that I got from interviewing all the amazing guests on the Adventure Sports Podcast. Because I started thinking, well, is there a way to have an outside-of-the-box solution that would allow us to actually live in a place like Gunnison? But you asked, what about Gunnison do I love? Some of the best mountain biking in the United States. The uh, Greater Gunnison Valley includes Crested Butte, which means that we have over 750 miles of single-track mountain biking in this valley, which is just outrageous. I mean, I've been here for two and a half years, and I've barely scratched the surface of all of that. Um, In addition to that, we have the ski area, Crested Butte, just 30 minutes up the hill. And Crested Butte was the first ski area in the nation to open extreme terrain inbounds. And it has some of the most unique terrain in all of Colorado and even in the nation, It's not a beginner ski hill, but man, is it fantastic. And being nestled up against the Elk Range, the most precipitous peaks in Colorado, make for amazing, amazing views. The view sheds up here are just out of this world. And so Gunnison not only has the mountain biking and the skiing, but it also has the largest freshwater body of water in Colorado right here, Blue Mesa Reservoir, which is really great for boating. And so we have that boating, plus we have the Taylor River, we have the Gunnison River, we have Tamichi Creek, and others that people use for whitewater rafting and fishing and and kayaking. So you start to add it all up, and we live in a mecca for outdoor sports. Um, That's what I love about Gunnison. But in passing through Gunnison originally, I was always on my way to somewhere else, so I didn't take time to look around. If you look around in Gunnison, there are a lot of adobe hills and sagebrush, and that's not the, the, the forest that a lot of people equate with the Colorado Rockies. But we live in a river valley that's full of trees, so we are in a forested area. 
And the cliffs that are carved by the Gunnison River make for some beautiful terrain that accent the beauty of the city. The light in the evening across that sagebrush when I'm out mountain biking, I I have fallen in love with Colorado high desert type landscapes. And we live just minutes away from some of the most beautiful forest in Colorado. So I think Gunnison has it all. So there you go. Long answer to a short question. Well, man, I mean, you know, I, I love that high desert. I love sage, the smell of sage. I, um, I just, I don't know, something about sage in that desert. It, is there any downsides to living out there? Because it sounds like you're trying to sell it to me. I mean, that sounds awesome, <laughs> honestly. I love it. I think, uh, I think you and Emily and Leon ought to move out here. Man. But <laughs> there is a downside that keeps people away from Gunnison, and don't tell anybody. So everybody that hears this, keep it a secret, all 10,000 of you or more. Gunnison is one of the coldest cities in all of the United States, and I'm even including Alaska in that. <laughs> in the wintertime, yeah. Gunnison is cold, and here's the reason why. Um, when the Blue Mesa Reservoir was built, it created a, a 30-mile-long artificial plateau that causes kind of an air dam effect. And this, you know, was built, I think, back in the 50s or something, and I have to look that up. But what happened is the cold mountain air that comes down the valleys in a storm cycle used to drain down the valley, which became the Black Canyon, which is now a national park. I didn't mention that, but the Black Canyon of the Gunnison, and it would drain on out and be gone. So Gunnison would have a cold weather cycle that would last a day or two, and then it would be moderate again. But when they built the reservoir, then this 30-mile plateau caused an air dam effect. And so now the cold air that comes down out of the the West Elks and the Elk Ranges and even the the Sawatch Range, um, that air gets kind of trapped in this valley like a temperature inversion. And so Gunnison stays cold. But there's also a benefit to that. There's no wind. Now, in the spring and in the fall, there's a little bit of wind, but by then it's also warm. Um, But in the middle of the wintertime, it might be 20 degrees below zero. No joke. But without the wind and with lots of ample sunshine, it's not miserable to me. Now, I like the cold, so I'm fine with it. But that actually, seeing those low pressure, I'm sorry, let me repeat, seeing those low temperature readings on the weather charts... I think keeps people out of Gunnison. And maybe that's a benefit because it keeps Gunnison a quaint, small, vibrant community of locals and it hasn't outpaced itself and overgrown itself. Wow. So, so you're letting the, the secret out just a little bit that, you know, we don't have to be. I will, I do look at the weather and say, good Lord, Gunnison is, you know, negative <laughs> where everyone else is, you know, much, much warmer. Right. Um, I mean, that's great to hear. That is so great to hear that this show and the influence of all these people has caused you to make some sort of decision like this for you and your family, and that and that it's been a good decision. It's been something you're happy with. Do you see yourself and your family staying there for the long term? I hope so. My wife just this morning looked at me over a cup of coffee, and she said, you know, with all of this economic crisis that's coming up and this COVID-19 crisis that's happening. We don't know how this is going to shake out for America or the planet right now. It's a, it's an unsettling time, to say the least. And she said, I hope we can stay where we are, because I love it here. Wow. And I feel the same exact way. We, we have found such a beautiful community of friends here, and 
Gunnison offers all of the the mountain sports that we love, of course. And we've taken up some new mountain sports since we came here too, which just helped to feed the fuel for adventure sports for me, which did not go away when I quit hosting the Adventure Sports Podcast, believe me. So anyway, we do love it. We love the people. We love the climate. We love the community. We love the scenery. We love the setting. We love the sports. So if possible, yeah, we're here. That's awesome. You know, I know that you uh, you mentioned going out there to participate in more adventure sports and to be able to essentially do more. And I, you know, I tell a lot of folks, it's, you know, we, I get to talk about it a lot on the show, but that that inevitably keeps me from doing it. So, um, you know, I on Saturday mornings or Saturday nights or evenings, you know, I've got to be editing the show. And so I think that you and Travis began or, or experienced that for the years that you did the show. And both of you kind of simultaneously decided that, you know, through the influence of the show, you wanted to do different things with your life. And that inevitably, you know, prevent it was going to prevent you from hosting the show. And so that I think that's something people don't necessarily realize when you're someone that gets to talk about it all the time, you know? Well, we kind of got jealous. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we really did. We were talking to people that were doing such amazing adventures, and we were limited on how much of the adventure we could do. I want to throw one thing out there, Mason, for the audience to hear, and I've said it on the show before, I believe, but that's it's been over a year ago. I turned the equation upside down, and I was really shocked at how nice that was. I had to continue commuting to the front range of Denver for work, and I was able to telecommute part-time and then show up in the office part-time, which is what made moving to Gunnison possible for us. And I did that for two and a half years, but that turned the equation upside down for us, and here's the reason. Most people in the front range, where you have nearly three million people, we're trying to get to the mountains on the weekends for their adventure sports. So they're competing on the highways, all headed in the same direction. And they might drive for an hour, hour and a half, two hours, even three hours to get to the location where they wanted to climb a 14er or ski or go camping or, or kayaking or whatever the case may be. Then at the end of the weekend, they would reverse that and everyone in mass tries to get back to the front range. And again, you drive that you know, one and a half, two, three hours to get from where you do your sport to where you live and work. By turning the equation upside down, I moved where the sport was, and then I drove to the front range for work. And what that meant was I was no longer stuck in the masses going with traffic. I was going against traffic. And because I could telecommute some, I could even not travel on the weekends at all. So when I got off from work at the end of the day and I was in Gunnison, there was still time left and daylight left for, you know, uh, maybe he's doing some fly fishing or going on a mountain bike ride or a run or even doing a, a little bit of an extended hike. And I realized that we could do the things we love in small bites here because we weren't making the commute. Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsor, Roman. One of the things I hate the most about doctor's appointments is that I will schedule one and it's literally probably a month later before I can go. And then it's a lot of time before I get results. And honestly, you know, being a guy, I don't go to the doctor all that often. I think, oh my gosh, I think it's been years, literally years since I've been to the dentist or the doctor. And I definitely have some issues I need to 
seek treatment on. I just, I don't know, I did procrastinate in that department. And if you're dealing with something like erectile dysfunction, that procrastination is not going to pay off in the long run. Let's just put it that way. Good news is Roman has been spending years trying to solve this by building a digital platform that connects you with a doctor who's licensed in your state, all from the comfort of your home. So they make it convenient to get a treatment you need and on your schedule. So just grab your phone and really all you have to do is use your phone or computer and you complete a free online visit and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you free in just two days. So you don't even need to leave your house on one hand is great because I, I love to work. I'm a workaholic, so I want to work. I don't want to take time out of my day to go to the doctor, take care of myself. I kind of just want it shipped to me. You know, we're in this Amazon culture and it's awesome to get stuff sent to us. And Roman has figured that out when it comes to dealing with erectile dysfunction. And obviously there's no commitments. You can cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with ED, go to getroman.com slash ASP for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's getroman.com slash ASP for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. And that is also in the show notes. All right, thank you. And let's get back to the episode. I've heard people say that, you know, living somewhere beautiful doesn't mean you necessarily get to enjoy it, but it, you, you guys went out there with the intention of being able to enjoy it more often. And and you think that that formula for you has worked out to, to kind of prove your theory? Because I it know has. you were talking about that when you first moved out there. Yeah, it really has. And, and when we lived in the foothills outside of the Front Range, then my commute was quite long. The best commute I ever had was a 45-minute drive each way. But most of the time that I was there, which was more than 20 years, um, I had an hour to two-hour drive each way. And so there was very little time for exercise. On a business day, it was just business and driving. That's all I had. But now living in Gunnison, where we're close to the activities... That means I can do my full business day and still have time for the activities that we love around that business time during the week. So that's really exciting. Do you see any other people who have kind of taken that formula and or given it a shot out there trying to practice that? It, it's interesting. I was visiting with someone that had lived here for quite a while, and he was asking how I, you know, how I earned my money and how we managed to move here. And he kind of chuckled and says, everybody has their niche. They figure out a way. And so there is a fair amount of that going on. But I would say this, Gunnison's local community is a real community. It's not just a resort town, you know, with second and third homes here and trust fund. A trust fund economy might be the way to say it, right? Gunnison is a real mountain community where people are trying to make a living off the local Gunnison economy. And so the pay rates are low. There aren't any corporate jobs. You know, you have... The university here, which provides a, a lot of the income for the valley, and you have the public schools, you have the medical industry, you know, everyone needs a hospital. And besides that, there's a little bit of ranching and then service industry jobs. So that pretty much encapsulates the whole economy here. So what I am working on right now is sorting out a way to do online business that I can use to bring outside revenue into the Gunnison Valley and maybe even provide new jobs here for the people. Um, it's tough. If you want to move to Gunnison and get a job and live here, 
you may not be able to pull it off. You really have to have a way to earn your money outside of Gunnison because it is somewhat expensive and the, uh, the pay rates in the Valley aren't that high. So what would you say to folks who might not be in the position to do this right now, but want to in the future or who knows, man, you know, taking care of, I know you guys have some parents to, that, that need care and, um, you know, could that at all change the situation for you? And if so, how do, how would you maintain that, that level of joy in the mountains and getting to it when you can? I think that's where most people probably are, especially with the crisis going on. No one knows where they're going to settle in that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I, I don't have an easy answer to that question and I don't want to speculate. I will say this. We started by my saying that we interviewed hundreds of people who were using out-of-the-box solutions to live an adventure-focused lifestyle. And that was kind of the motivation for me to start thinking outside of the box and finding a way to have a healthier lifestyle for me and my family. The answer is not in a silver bullet. The answer is in getting creative. And we have more technology now in our world than we've ever had before that allow us to do things like having location independence, which is huge. I'm a huge proponent of location independence. We don't have to be strapped to a corporate office anymore to do corporate work. And so we need to start thinking that way as a society because it opens so many doors. Um, But anyway, I think that the answers are going to be different for every individual, and everyone has to decide how he or she wants to navigate those waters. But by thinking outside of the box then it is possible to have a more adventure-focused, healthier lifestyle, living places where you want to be. And I don't know, I I don't want to overstate this, but some of the people that we interviewed, Mason, would say things like, what, what are you going to do? Live a life you hate until you retire and then hope that you still have your physical capacity to do the things you've always wanted to do? You're going to sacrifice your whole life and then in the end... Hope that you still have enough strength to hike or bike or something. And, you know, that mindset is what motivated so many of the guests to the Adventure Sports Podcast to say, I've got to enjoy the life I love while I'm healthy enough to do it. And I've got to do that by thinking outside of the box somehow. And some people would say, well, that's probably short-sighted because you're not going to have a big fat 401k by the time you retire. And maybe they won't. But it's a decision that people have to make. And as an alternative to the standard norm, some people love the corporate job, like living in the city. They like suburban life and more power to them. That's fantastic. But some people don't. And if you're miserable and you're living a miserable existence now, and all you can see for the next 40 years is more of that misery, well, I would encourage you to think outside of the box and solve that problem. Don't waste your life. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and man, you brought up so many good points. And I'll bring up uh, just yesterday, we in a few weekends ago, first of all, yesterday we were talking to a guest that we, we, and we were reflecting on preparing for the future, something, you know, a lot of the adventures that we talk to do things kind of early on in life. And before you are thinking about all this, all these responsibilities, and they're like, you know, the more I plan for the future, the less happy I become <laughs> in, in the present. <laughs> and it's like, oh, man, that's very true. Like the happiest times I've been is when I'm not thinking about that. And, and then it makes me think, you know, biologically, 
you know, I, I was looking at my dog while he was talking and I'm thinking, you know, my dog doesn't think about tomorrow really. He, he no. needs he, today can be the best day of his life just with very little, very little going on, very little excitement. And it just, it, it has encouraged me to start thinking a little more presently. And also, you know, about that future, uh, I was talking to some folks that we met in Rocky Mountain National Park a couple weekends ago before everyone was really on a lockdown. Um, we went hiking and this older couple in their 70s were climbing um, some of the crags um, up near uh, up near the Continental Divide. And it was just pretty incredible what they were doing. But they got down and we could just cross paths. They had a rope and their climbing gear and their crampons and ice axes and Everything they had looked like it was 50 years old, from the pants they were wearing to their shorts, I mean, I mean to their socks, to their equipment, and I, you know, it was all very functional, but what it made me think is, you know, we, we don't need thousands of dollars of worth of gear to do these things, and these folks, you know, are in a retirement age, but it didn't, you know, everything they had on them is something anyone could buy right now and use for years and years and years to come. And if you expand that whole mindset to your entire life, yeah, your, your, your life and retirement can cost a lot, but it also doesn't have to, to where you don't need to sacrifice your joy today to be able to plan for, you know, some unknown time down the road where, you know, you're, you're maintaining this incredibly, you know, expensive way of life. It doesn't have to be that way. Right. You know, I want to throw just a little caution into discussion, um, Studies have shown that the people that learn how to postpone uh, chasing their dreams a little bit, maybe, Mm -hmm. people that have learned how to postpone happiness so that they can do what's necessary to better their life situation, they generally do find themselves in a more fulfilling life. And one example of that would be college, right? Most people don't enjoy sitting in classes and going through four or five years of college to try to get a degree because their life is on hold. They haven't started their degree yet. They they spend so much time on their studies that it's difficult to do anything else. College is tough, but we also know that if you have that degree, then your expected lifetime income and the freedom that you're going to get from that income <coughs> to do the things you love to do make it worthwhile. So learning how to to think for the future a little bit I think does have benefits. So here I just said, you might want to consider living a little bit more for today. And then you said, yeah, my dog does that. And then I step in and say, yeah, but (laughs) there's a balance. (laughs) There's definitely a balance to it. There's a balance. I I, I think what has, has bothered me is, is, um, not bothered me, but some of the things is I, I tend to swing the pendulum swings for me. I'll go from, 100% 100% living in the moment to 100% living in the future. And then, you know, for me personally, it has been trying to just balance that out to where it's equal both, equal of both to where I can say, okay, you know, we've done enough for the future today. Let's take the ne- the afternoon to, to enjoy and to not just plug, plug, plug away and burn out in the next couple weeks. And uh, absolutely, I'm glad you brought that up. So for you, you know, living out in the mountains and, you know, taking such a big step, uh, what, what were some of the biggest hesitations, I, I, I guess, and some of the biggest challenges with you and your family to overcome? Because for me, I think, you know, it's hard for me because I talked to all these people in, in my little office 
And I'm just so inspired and so incredibly, you know, motivated after the conversation. But I go out to the kitchen and I got to finish dinner, feed my son, talk to my wife who didn't get to hear these people. So we're on these two different pages, if that makes mm. sense as a family. So how are you able to communicate that to your family and, and kind of get everybody on board and to, to move in a direction you that would work for everybody? I think, I hate to admit this, Mason, but I think that I was probably the one that was the most afraid. Yeah, my kids are, are still young enough that they're invincible and happy-go-lucky, and yeah, Dad, it sounds like fun. Let's try it. <laughs> um, my wife is one who who just says, you know, we'll have to figure it out, but we got to make a change. And I was the one that kept asking, what if it doesn't work? And, you know, one thing that helped tip the scale for me and get me headed in what I now know is the right direction was the idea that it may not work long term, but even if it worked for a year or two, it would be a year or two that our family would always look back on with fondness and say, man, that was great. Wasn't that a cool season of life? You know, Mm. I guess we can always go back to the way that things were or similar to the way that things were if necessary. And we may end up leaving Gunnison because of that. It's hard to say. You know, we don't know what the future holds, but I am now in Gunnison and saying I would rather sort out the best way to be here than to go back somewhere else, you know, if this doesn't work out. And and if we did have to leave, I could easily say those are the best years that we had for so long, you know, it's been a fantastic experience. So it was scary. And I think that's what kept me from acting sooner was just the idea that, yeah, but what if we go try something like that and it doesn't work? Then what? Mm. And really, that's when you have to believe in yourself and just say, so you have a setback, you'll you'll recover, right? You'll, you'll just have to figure it out from there. That's a great point because, you know, it's different when there's a an, an adventure that has a, a, you know, very outlined completion or, or start and finish, you know what I mean? Like I didn't finish the Appalachian Trail or I didn't get to where I was shooting for. But with something like a move where you're changing the direction of your life, I think it can be a little more experimental. You know, you can set goals for you and your family. Like we need to try to make it five years at least. Um, but if you're just going out there saying, you know, we're going to m- give it a shot. If it doesn't work, it's not a crisis. And it was totally worth doing. I definitely think we're in that same boat right now with with being here in Denver. Like, hey, it's been an awesome experience. We're ready for something else, but um, by no means is it some sort of failure or something. So that's that's. I'm really glad you said that because I th- I think the fear of failure does just prevent a lot of people from from trying. Right, and you know, all sorts of songs are popping through my head, and 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 things like you know rolling stones don't gather any moss and ramble on and i was born a rambling man and all that that's not necessarily the lifestyle we're talking about <laughs> what we're talking right. about is something more moderate not being a drifter but the idea that you can pivot in life and try new things i think the a bigger danger than staying in a career well let me let me rephrase that a bigger danger than trying new things is staying stuck in a career you don't like. And that's another kind of thought process. If you are doing something you don't like and you feel trapped and you're nervous about trying something else, well, you know what the outcome is where if you stay where you are. 
And at some point in your life, you're going to realize it's not worth it. If you don't like what you're doing, you don't like your life, and you stay put because of some convenience, right, or some fear, well, you know what that outcome's going to be. That's a, that's a given quantity. What you don't know is what will happen if you try something different. Now, it could be worse, it could be infinitely better, but unless you try something different, you'll never know what that might be. And mm. the fear of the unknown is what keeps us from trying things. But the reality is, I think we should be adventuring. We should be trying things, because that's what gives life meaning. How did you know personally that you needed to make a change about where you needed to be versus making an internal change? Because I'll, I'll be honest, there's a lot of things you know, that I come to realize, oh, this is something I need to change internally before just trying to make all my problems go away by moving somewhere, if that makes sense. That's that's the trap I've fallen into a number of times. What was it like for you? How do you determine the difference between the two? Man, I wish I remembered who originally said this, (laughs) but no matter where you go... Just say it was you. (laughs) No, it wasn't me. No matter where you go, that's where you are. And (laughs) if you find yourself changing locations and still stuck with yourself, then the location wasn't the problem you were. <laughs> Does that make right. sense? Yeah, yeah. So so that so, wasn't the case for you. It, it was no. being somewhere new. It, I really did need to be somewhere new. But I think that the key to that is, have you done the internal work to tomate noche, as they say, know thyself? If you've done that internal introspective work, and you don't have to spend decades on it, but if you've done that internal work, then you can probably feel pretty pretty strong about your decision to change your lifestyle. But if you've not done any of that introspection yet, and you're just running from job to job or place to place or relationship to relationship, you know, if the whole world seems to be wrong, it's probably you. So it might be time <laughs> to look to the inside. If the whole world seems to be wrong, it's probably, yeah, that's a, I love that. Goodness gracious. Well, that's, I mean, that's awesome. And so, you know, you, you just mentioned, um, if you're not happy with a career and job and I know that, uh, I know that you recently made a change. I don't know if you're ready to talk about that, but I'd love to hear kind of what gave you the ability and the boldness to step away from your career recently. I don't know if you want to share that, but I think it's pertinent to what we're talking about. Oh, good grief. I, I would have to get pretty open and candid to go into all the details, which um, I can share a little bit. But yeah. I have I have taken a pause from uh, some of my previous career work, and I am trying to start some new things right now. And uh, my my company is is still alive and going strong, but I am refocusing my energies and... Moving to Gunnison was kind of step one. Learning how to live here full-time without the commuting is kind of step two, and that's where we are right now as a family, and it was a family decision. We all sat down together and and agreed that we were on the same page, and it was another risk, like moving to Gunnison, um, backing off from my career focus and and redirecting and trying some new things um, is another big adventure. It's another big risk, but as a family, everyone said, do it. Matter of fact, I think, again, I was the last one to agree, but my family really saw the benefits of trying something new for me, and they wanted me to go for it. So that's kind of where we are. And everything is so preliminary right now that I don't even have much to report other than I did launch another podcast last week. Oh, awesome. Yeah, well, well, yeah, tell us about that. 
Well, the the podcast that I launched last week, who knows what will happen with it? And I'll be candid with people. Um, there are a lot of people out there that like to sell the idea of podcasting as a panacea, you know, for earning an income and having the lifestyle that you want. And podcasting can be lucrative. It, it, it can be a great side hustle, especially. Um, but as far as becoming a sole income, very few podcasters ever accomplish that. If you look at the numbers, believe it or not, Mason, right now there are over 800,000 podcasts in the world today. <laughs> I saw that yesterday. I could not um, believe it. it. Granted, most of those podcasts are not active. You know, someone recorded a few episodes and then quit publishing new shows. But still, that's a lot of podcasts that are out there. The number of people that actually make a podcast go long-term is very small. And that's why the Adventure Sports Podcast has become such an outstanding show in the outdoors industry, I believe, because, you know, we proved it and you are continuing to prove it, that it can have longevity and that um, it, can, it can become a standard for the industry. But that's really what it takes, a lot of commitment. Most podcasts don't explode. You know, there are very few Joe Rogans in the world <laughs> but I did read the other day yeah. that Joe Rogan can make up to $50,000 per episode. Let's take a quick message break and hear from our sponsor, CS Instant Coffee. With spring being right around the corner, I know that a lot of y'all are getting ready to plan some big adventures. One of the things you don't want to have to carry with you into the backcountry or on road trips or whatever you're doing is a bunch of coffee equipment. But if you're like me... You really can't go a day without coffee. Uh, that might be a problem, but I don't care. I love it. So that being said, I take CS Instant Coffee with me just because, you know, it's super convenient. Uh, one of their packs can fill a 20-ounce container full of really good instant coffee, and I don't have to lug around a French press or, or, or an Arab press in the backcountry, and it's just a few little packets with some stream water that's boiled. And so it, it's really convenient. It's so good that I actually drink it at home a lot of the times out of convenience, They've been long supporters of the show, so I would really love for you to go check them out at csinstant.coffee. Use the code ADVENTURE at checkout, and that'll get you 10% off. Really appreciate it. Thanks, y'all, for supporting the show for so long. Now back to the episode. I don't doubt it. It's, yeah, it's and that's, you know, it, it's a huge show. It's kind of like the world of sports. How many millions of people play you know, baseball or basketball, you know, it's, it's, it's a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a percent that ever end up making a living from it. And then it's just millions who are trying and, you know, the world of podcasting can be, can be similar. I'd say if, if there were leagues of podcasting, we'd be somewhere in the minors, you know, we're making it, getting by, uh, doing something, but we're not, you know, a superstar LeBron James or something like Joe Rogan is. <laughs> exactly. And keep in mind, too, that Joe Rogan was an early adapter. Yes, And anytime exactly. there's there's a new technology that takes off, if you are an early adapter, then you're going to get a big initial following because people are looking for ways to use the new technology. And they found Joe Rogan, and he developed a following, and um, he has a vast listener audience. He, he would probably be considered one of, if not the most successful interviewer in the world today because of being an early adopter and having the willingness to, I think, speak the language of the times and uh, not be afraid to, I don't know, consider challenging ideas, you know? But that said, I didn't start this new podcast so that I could become the next Joe Rogan. That's not on the radar. I, I have my eyes wide open. But here's what happened, Mason. 
just around the time that I decided to do this career redirection, the coronavirus epidemic hit, and Gunnison took one of the most, Gunnison County, took one of the most aggressive social distancing and lockdown policies in the nation, straight out of the chute. And there's probably good reason for that. Um, Gunnison is a destination, or Gunnison Valley with Crested Butte is a destination location for international travel. And COVID-19 cases showed up in the valley here straight out of the chute. We we had COVID-19 before most of the nation knew that it had even reached America's shores. And so Gunnison went into a lockdown state. Everything is shut down. The only businesses that are allowed to be open right now are uh, restaurants, like hardware stores, gas stations, and medical centers. Everything else is shut down. Now, some people are um, doing like a, a carryout or, or a delivery service from a restaurant, but the restaurants are not allowed to have people in them. The hotels are shut down. The schools are shut down. Any business that requires people gathering together, shut down. So Gunnison right now is in a, in a lockdown mode. And when I saw that, I said, holy cow, this could last for a very long time, and people are going to need resources on how to weather this new paradigm. I mean, we don't know how to live like this, right? And so I thought, well, hey, I might as well start a podcast that can help to disseminate information that will help people get through this time. After all, I just made this career shift. I have some time on my hands. And so last week, we launched a show called Weathering Coronavirus Updates and Hope. And the goal of the show is to provide, you know, summary data on the late breaking news every day, but then also practical advice on how to live and work remotely away from your job, how to stay sane when you're bottled up like this, caged in your own home. It's like a house arrest around here. Um, How to stay healthy, mentally, physically, emotionally healthy during these times. And even ideas for what it's going to be like when we come out the other side of this coronavirus scare. So I started the show to try to provide that kind of information and to provide people with encouragement and a sense of online community around this time. So it's, again, called um, Weathering Coronavirus, Updates and Hope. And so I just launched into that. We're, we're only about seven episodes into it. We've already covered uh, two shows on how to be very successful working remotely. And I wanted to get that information out right out of the chute because many Americans are trying to work from home for the first time or maybe work solely from home for the first time. I have over 25 years of experience doing remote work, so I felt like I had a lot to say on the subject. Corporations, this is the big American experiment. Will working from home work for corporate America? What will be the the long-term impacts of people working from home in mass like this. And I think it can be a positive thing. I actually see it as a silver lining on the cloud. Um, I think that we're going to learn a new way of doing work in America that may change the way that we work from now on. It'll be better for the environment. It'll be better for corporations. It'll be better for families. It'll be more productive. It'll be better for road expenses. It'll be better for fossil fuel consumption. I could go on and on and on, and I did on the podcast, and I won't right now, but those are the sorts of topics that we're talking about. You know, how can we make lemonade out of the lemons that we've been dealt? Mm. 
You know, it. Uh, I listened to the episodes around working from home. I've been working from home strictly for the last six months, just hit six months, and kind of dabbled in it, of course, you know, for the last few years. But this has been like my first full time gig, all remote. And, you know, I listened to those two episodes and I, I did learn a lot. And I'm like, wow, you know, this is, uh, this is interesting. And so, I know a lot of people are trying to keep a sense of normalcy right now, keep a sense of kind of life as usual. I'll be honest, I'm not like that. It's like I understand this is a huge event. This is history in the making. I want to talk about it. I want to reflect on it. I want to I want to just discuss it with people. And so, you know, a lot of the shows on on this podcast has come out lately and including um, Thursday's episode is going to be just kind of a, a conversation between some friends, me and someone else about just, you know, what is going on right now? How has it been for you? How it's been for me? What do we think is going to happen? So uh, I'm really, you know, I've listened to a handful of or a couple of the episodes. I want to listen to all of them. But yeah, I've enjoyed your take and and kind of your reflection and yeah, this is just a huge deal. You know, there's no way to get around it. I don't want to keep life as usual when there's something so uh, historically significant going on, if that makes sense. It does. And, you know, I think that knowledge empowers people to make right decisions. And so that's another goal of the show is to give people the knowledge they need to kind of sort out the path forward. You know, we're, as a nation, as a world, we're juggling on the brink of an economic catastrophe as a result of doing what I consider to be the right thing, the social distancing, buying some time, making sure we don't overwhelm the hospitals with a few you know, severe cases that come out of this. I'd like to point out, just for the listeners, um, it's a very small minority of cases that get severe that result in a need for hospitalization. And from those, some people do die. We know this. That's the scare. We also know that this illness is very virulent. It's very contagious. It spreads very, very quickly. But the vast majority of people don't get that sick. It's just kind of like a mild flu, and you, you just you just live through it. Now, if you're one of the populations that has an underlying medical condition, or perhaps you're elderly, otherwise immunodepressed, you better be very, very, very careful because this is a this is a tough one for you folks. But for everyone else, um, I just want you to know it's maybe not as scary as the media might make it out to be. But still, the social distancing measures that we're taking are saving lives, and it's keeping us from overwhelming the the medical facilities and the medical resources that we have in this nation and around the world. We don't want United States to become another Italy where they're having to turn people away to die. And um, even in Italy, though, there aren't that many people who are sick. And, and I know that that sounds kind of crazy, but I ran the numbers and it's like one out of 700 in Italy are sick. An extreme minority actually have the illness, but the minority of the people who have the illness that need medical care still overwhelmed the hospitals. And that's what we're trying to avoid. So I just wanted to kind of get the word out about that. We're doing the right thing with this social distancing, but we have to start looking for how now shall we live going forward. Because we can't stay in this um, this limbo, might be a way to say it. We can't stay in limbo wondering when the economy can start back up again. When can we start resuming normal activities? Will we be able to keep the family restaurant open, or will we have to close it for good? You know, those sorts of questions are out there. They're scaring everybody. 
We need to start looking for the exit strategy, and we'll be covering that on today's show, actually. How can we transition back into normalcy from this without creating a, a second or a larger crisis? There are all sorts of these questions. You know, I, I want to kind of bring the subject around to what happened in Colorado recently, Mason, because I think it's directly applicable to adventure sports. There were two things that happened that I found really shocking, maybe okay. three. The governor, straight out of the chute, closed down the ski areas across Colorado for spring break. And, okay, that was probably wise. He didn't want everyone coming to Colorado with the coronavirus and then spreading it and creating a huge crisis. So the ski areas were shut down. Tourism was put on hold, essentially. But as a result of that, did you see the headline? There were over a 1,000 people trying to ski Loveland Pass last weekend. Really? <laughs> I saw the video. Is this like backcountry? Or... Yeah, so let me tell you about Loveland Pass. Loveland Pass goes up to over 12,000 feet, and the road switchbacks around such that you can park at the top, ski down, and hit the road at the bottom, and hitchhike or have a shuttle and get back to the top again. Yep. So people yep. see that as a ski lift, and they want to go out and ski. However, it's, uh, it's not ski patrolled. It is backcountry. I would say it's not avalanche controlled, but it is, and this is the scary part, it's avalanche controlled to protect the road, and they shoot it with cannons from a distance. Right, right. Right? So when people are out skiing on it, they're really taking their lives into their own hands. Matter of fact, there's signs posted right there that says, you know, we might blast this while you're out here, so this is a bad idea for you to ski here. But yet a thousand people showed up. They were parking in avalanche runouts. They were skiing in avalanche terrain. A thousand people at a time. And this is terrain that isn't avalanche controlled by any ski patrol or ski area. So uh, a few years ago, um, some people went higher on the mountain to ski down. And some people were lower in the same exact area. And they triggered a large avalanche. The people that were lower that were not in avalanche terrain, nonetheless, were in the avalanche runout area. And five people were buried and killed. This is the same place where over a thousand people showed up to ski this last weekend. So why do I bring this up? You know, this time of the year, the conditions may have been that it was relatively safe. I don't know. But I don't think that a thousand people showing up in an avalanche prone area because the ski areas are closed is necessarily the response that we need to be having right now. We might need to be a little bit, I don't know, practice a little bit more wisdom than that, maybe. What do you think the long-term effect to the adventure world will be regarding coronavirus? Do you think it'll it'll grow just because of the nature of adventure sports or a little can be a little more isolated? Do you think I and mean, what do you, what are your thoughts on that? Have you thought about that? You know, I think it's going to go both ways. Um the outdoors industry is suffering right now because of having to close stores and just, you know, the shutdown of retail, that sort of thing. But at the same time, People are working from home for the first time, maybe in their lives, they have time to do some little adventure after work. And these little mini or micro adventures are a wonderful thing that you can do now while practicing social distancing. You don't have to, you know, kiss people while you take a jog. <laughs> you can be <laughs> yeah, out no, there. Not here. You can keep the social distance and you can be healthy. And matter of fact, that's one of my primary recommendations for people is get out every day and do something. Because otherwise, you're going to become lethargic and depressed. I've been there yes. trying to work from home 
If you don't force yourself to go out every day and get sunshine and fresh air and move your body, you're going to get lethargic and depressed, almost guaranteed, and that depression can become chronic. So absolutely, go do your adventure sports, people. But that said, the second thing that happened that I wanted to bring up in Colorado is that the search and rescue and first responders um, were concerned about being overwhelmed trying to deal with coronavirus, and some of the staff themselves are sick, reducing their response numbers. And so San Juan County closed the backcountry. Did you hear that news? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I know. I, I saw, I've seen a lot of that actually with the Park Service and with just different you know, local governments closing back countries and closing these open spaces. Yeah, well, what was your take? Well, for me, this is really, really controversial. And it has a lot to do with who's responsible for safety in the backcountry. I have long been a proponent that the person that goes into the backcountry is responsible for his or her own safety. And that if they get themselves in trouble... That really is foolish, and they shouldn't have done it, and they're endangering others if they do. I've always felt that way, regardless of what the times are, crisis or no crisis. And then we get these um, search and rescue people and first responders and volunteers who go out and save people who got themselves in trouble, putting their own lives at risk in the process. They're heroes, and I applaud them, and I'm glad that those people are doing what they're doing because they're saving lives. They're giving people a second chance to be smart. <laughs> but, you yeah. know, for all the years that I was doing the Adventure Sports Podcast, I always emphasize safety. And I always told people, you know, make sure that whatever you're doing, you do it in a way that you can come back to do it again another day, right? So I think we need to exercise a lot of wisdom. So what do I feel about closing the backcountry? Boy, it's a real mix. I feel like they should post signs that say no one is going to bail you out this time. It is hard when you're closing essentially the refuge for society right now. You know, all, a lot of us obviously find refuge in the outdoors all the time. And now, so place not, no, like right this second, it's even, I think, more crucial that we're able to get out and take breaks and, you know, create some distance. Um, you know, obviously you don't want to be driving hours and hours to get to somewhere or, you know, be a, in a place, a parking lot with tons of other people. But I think the the outdoors is still vast and big enough to where folks in communities like yours and, and ours can very easily create space between them and other visitors and maybe just making it explicitly clear that, hey, there's no search and rescue available now. So if you do go out, don't, don't be foolish. Don't take risks. Just come out here to enjoy it. Um, I mean, I went up to the mountains just the other night to have a campfire for a few hours, and it was just an enormous relief to all the pressure of everything going on and just a great reset. And it was nothing fancy or really extreme, but I think that area is probably closed now, which is kind of crazy to me. You know, it was just on the side of the road in a in a kind of community open space park, essentially. Well, one thing we do know, Mason, is that if people are responsible, then search and rescue and the jurisdictional support that, you know, first responders and what have you, uh, they don't have to rescue the responsible people. And when people are irresponsible, and it's a great expense to society, it, it, it's very, very expensive for these operations to go in and extract injured yes. people from the wilderness, holy cow. 
just a handful, an extreme minority of people that go out there and do stupid things. Um, they ruin it for the rest of us. And so I really encourage everyone to be personally responsible, exercise caution, have fun. I'm not ever going to be a fan of closing the backcountry. I, I just, I'm too much of an adventurous spirit for that. I believe that people should be allowed to make their own mistakes. But that said, um, we really need to be more responsible now than ever. And if we're not, then we're going to see a lot more closures than we've seen so far. And that's what I'm troubled about. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to bring it up. Everyone, be careful out there. Don't make any mistakes. Let's keep as much open as we can. How about that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I know I know that we're bringing you on for an update of your life and everything that's been going on since you moved out there. Moving to Gunnison was step one, but at some point, the influence of the Adventure Sports podcast led you to leave your career and, and try something new. Is that kind of where you are and where it stands right now? Did the show also influence that decision in a big way? I think the mindset that was developed by visiting with hundreds of amazing people that helped me to enlarge my, you know, my outlook on the world. I think that that has empowered me to take some bigger chances, some bigger risks, and we'll see what the outcomes are going to be. I know one thing, Mason. I may soon find myself in a circumstance that I regret, but I will never regret having tried. Hmm. So I know that whatever happens, I can always um, return to prior career paths and, and that sort of thing. And the jury's still out. So, you know, this is a grand experiment. But I believe that people need to be innovators. People need to take some chances and live life to the fullest and be willing to press that reset button if things don't work out. So that's where I am right now. Well, that's awesome, Kurt. And I'm glad that uh, you don't regret the decisions you've made over the last two and a half years or so and, and the, you know, the progress you've made and the you know, adventures you've been able to have with you and your family. I know I've been following you guys and seeing the pictures. It's incredible. And so it's, uh, who knows, maybe at some point I, I can't stand it any longer and need to get out there and do something myself after interviewing all these people and be able to pass it on to someone else. We'll see. But, uh, right now I'm enjoying the, doing the show and kind of continuing what Travis and uh, you have built so, uh, yeah, thanks for giving us an update. I wish you the best, and uh, um, we'll be plugging, you know, everything that with your new show and pushing that out. And, yeah, well, let's do this again sometime. Oh, that'd be great. Thanks, Mason. I sure appreciate it. And everyone out there, if you're looking for I, what I like to think of as reassuring and concrete information about the coronavirus crisis, then uh, consider listening in a little bit to Weathering Coronavirus Updates and Hope. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to provide some encouragement and we can all weather this and come out the other side a little better because of it. Absolutely. And uh, in the meantime, Kurt, what should people get out there and do? <laughs> have some fun. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> get out there and have some fun. We need that uh, more now than ever before. First of all, Thank you so much for listening. It means the world to us that you choose to listen to this show. If you'd like to help us further, you can leave a review on iTunes, share us with your friends, your family. It goes a long way to grow in the show. You can also support us financially through patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast. Link is in the show notes. And also, if you have an idea of who could be a good guest for the show, we're always looking for people to tell their story uh, about the outdoors or adventure. So if you know someone, please reach out. Email us at info at adventuresportspodcast.com. And until then, 
get out there and have some fun.